All right, hey, what's up? And welcome back to another episode of Dan and the Creators. Today, it is actually a joy and a privilege and an honor uh, to have what I would argue one of the more important episodes that we'll probably ever do on this podcast. But uh, our guest today is my friend, Dr. Monty Burks. Uh, Monty is the state director of faith-based initiatives for, uh, I mean, Tennessee state, right? Yes, sir. And he is, uh, he's a criminal justice professor, and he's also a fellow uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Please welcome my friend, Dr. Monty Burks. What's up, dog? What's up, dog, man? How you doing, man? Thanks for having me on the cast, bro. Oh, man. It's, like I said, it's an honor and a joy to have you here, man. Um, I I am tired. I am <laughs> so tired. Uh, what's one call it? But anyways, um, so yeah, I uh, wanted to kind of cut to it. Obviously, or maybe not obviously, but today is what a lot of people in the industry are calling uh, Blackout Tuesday. I feel like I told you about that, but you weren't really familiar with that before I mentioned it, right? No, I just, I had gotten a uh, kind of a brief piece of it. You know, I saw saw some stuff trending on Instagram, but Mm -hmm. didn't really know what it was till you actually told me today, till you actually like explained to me what it was. Yeah, which there's a a whole conversation to be had on that, but today is arguably a very historic day a lot of people are focusing their their affections and their intentions on raising uh awareness standing in solidarity with the black community um and this this episode of the podcast will air or will go live tomorrow um because i feel like one of the things that we can contribute one of the things that I can contribute as a creative is really just to give someone like yourself a platform to kind of help inform and educate us on, on just the cultural, the social climate of what's happening now. I feel like uh, you are in a very interesting position because you are mixed and that is a whole other gamut of issues that may, a lot of people might not be aware of, but outside of that, I don't want to talk too much um would is there anything that you would like be down to share for things we could do uh, your thoughts whatever please oh, let me abso- stop talking <laughs> no 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 absolutely man so you know i think it's great that you know at this time in our country that people from from different races and nationalities are kind of galvanized behind a movement or a moment and it's unfortunate what the moment is Mm-hmm. But it is fortunate that at least it's happening. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, you know, I've been a I'm a biracial male. I was born in the 70s. Um, you know, I transitioned through my life in the 80s and the 90s. So I saw I was born, you know, a decade after the, the civil rights landmark legislation. So it takes years for stuff like that to actually come into play. Mm-hmm. So as a young man, my parents, you know, I, I, my parents were an interracial couple. So, you know, I saw and heard things growing up that, you know, that I remember, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's kind of like, it's been, um, I saw things probably that may have left me with bad taste in my mouth as a young person. I had to go back and maybe process when I got older, you know, they're like, wow, these people really were uh, not fond of me. Certain people were not fond of me because of my racial composition. Um, I, I hold no ill will toward anyone for that because I know that there's generational ways that people have been taught and mm-hmm. how we move past that is exactly what we're doing today, bro. We're having a conversation about it. I, I don't, I don't knock a person because of their beliefs, man. I don't agree with them. Um, I think that a lot of their, a lot of people who have hatred in their heart 
and in their beliefs, it comes from a place of where they just don't understand somebody that's different. Yeah. And I know that what they they're only doing what they've been taught. Now, I'm not excusing that at all, Dan, not even a little bit, because I've been the victim of some some ill words and some some ugly sentiments from people. Mm. But on the flip side of that, I look at it and I always see an opportunity for me to educate them on who I am. They mm. allow themselves to be held in bondage by ignorant beliefs. Mm. They trap themselves in an open cage, man. Yeah. And, you know, we live in the world of, of uh, we live in the age of technology, the age of information. If you really want to see things, of course, we've got um, some some very slanted journalistic. Not, I'm not going to call it journalistic. But we've got some slanted sources of news that can kind of sway a person one way or the other. But, mm -hmm. man, as we decipher facts as human beings, man, we ought to be able to look at facts, draw our own conclusions and realize that you can't put all groups of people in boxes because the diversity of humanity is much greater than that, man. I mean, look at me and you, man. We met as brothers. We trained together. Uh, we've, we've, we've experienced each other's cultures. We've become good friends. We've had conversations through our jujitsu journey that yeah. I think that every human being ought to have. I said that to you today, man. I think yeah. that everybody after their, after their, um, after their energy levels down, I think that everybody from all nationalities ought to sit down and just talk about real current issues without any ego. When it's all been stripped down to nothing. Yeah. Everybody talk about hate because I, I consider people that, that, I look at everyone as my brother um, and, you know, and I'm a man, you know, I'm a man of faith, man. When it says love thy neighbor and the man asks Jesus, like, who is my neighbor? And Jesus shut that down. He said, bro, you don't have the opportunity to ask that because everybody's your neighbor. <laughs> so, you know, I, you know, I'm sorry for hogging the time, man, but that, you know, no, kind of, there's no hogging at all. It's yeah. All that, that's kind of my, uh, that's kind of my thought process behind it. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, and we can even go a step further, Dan, you know, it, our brains operate a, a unique way when we train our brains to think in a certain pattern it's like riding a bicycle man and if we train our brain to look at people a certain way or to look at them beneath people we're always going to treat them like that even if we don't realize we're doing it mm. so we, we will discredit or devalue a human being because of either how they look or where they're from because of some kind of internal bias that we've allowed to kind of uh invade our brain space mm. and, and how you change that is you have to feed the brain something wholesome some some nourishment and give it facts give it the brain is like a, a, a strong computer you can feed it things about people give it real information about individual people and humans and allow yourself to have a create and form an opinion off of an individual not a culture yeah not a group man yeah. You know, that's where, you know, you, you know, I'm biracial, man. I, my father is um, white male. My mother's African-American, uh, both of whom very unique differences. My father was Catholic and my mother was Pentecostal. You know, so you, if you look at that, that is two com the same religion, but two entirely different stabs at it. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, and my father was military. My mother's an academic and they both looked at life differently. So I have the beauty of being raised by those types of parents. And I understand that that everything's not like me. Everything doesn't have to be like me. And yeah. it doesn't make me uncomfortable to be around people that don't look like me, yeah. that don't speak like me. As a matter of fact, they don't speak my language at all. I actually think it's pretty cool. I try to pick up on words from them, you know, or, or act like I picked up on words from them. <laughs> um, but I think that the beauty of all of that, man, is, is conversation, yeah. uh, love, friendship, you know, and an opportunity to grow, bro.
Yeah. So like, I mean, I love all of that and I think there's just so much depth to it. Um, what, like practically speaking, right. It, what is something that I, w- I would ask maybe for myself, but even just like, if I could pretend to ask through the looking glass of like anyone else who would be listening, essentially, it's like, what is something that, that we can do that is like lasting in regards to, let me preface that with, let me preface that question with a thought. My fear is that you and I agree on something and we are harmonious in our conversation in the dance of exchanging ideas. However, when there's conflict more often than not, those two worlds cannot stay intersected. Right. And I think that is a common uh, theme throughout the course of humanity, right? Like we kind of get into these echo chambers, I've heard it called, where we're all just like oscillating on our own agreements. And if we disagree with people, well, we just don't interact with them anymore, right? What is something that, like you and I agree on this, what is something that someone like me could do to progress the broadening of the conversation, the broadening of someone's mind when they are not already in agreement with me or us. Right, man. So one, one thing I'll give you something that, that I've, I've picked up in life and it's been given to me in so many different ways is the first step to doing something like that is you have to respect the person that's talking to you. Hmm. So we all have um, internal biases that have been indirectly or directly taught to us. And a lot of it's unintentional. Uh, It may be something that we saw at an early age or an experience we had with someone. And we may start associating that with a whole group of people that remind us of something. Have you ever had, Dan, have you ever um, went to a lake and before you got in the lake, you smelled the water and it gave you a feeling in your nose and your mouth? Like, oh man, I'm in the water, but you haven't actually gotten in the water yet. Sure. So yeah. So things like that happen when we go around people Hmm. and sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not so good. Sometimes it takes form of trauma. Sometimes it almost traumatizes us. Yeah. So in my opinion, uh, I think that if we give people space and opportunity, talk to them, figure out the differences and let them express to us. You know, we can see sometimes that our friends are uncomfortable with the kind of conversation you and I are having right now. So maybe there's an opportunity for us to ask them why. And then because they respect us, give them the space. And instead of criticizing, have a constructive conversation with a, a, a constructive conversation with someone and just kind of give them our feedback and say, hey, you know, I look at this this way, but I respect how you look at this way. You know, or I understand that you may look at this differently, but here's another set of ideas. Maybe this is something you could look at also, because mm-hmm. when, you, when you're dealing with human beings, no two people think the same. Our perspectives are going to be totally different about the exact same situation. And the reason they're like that is because we are the sum of our experiences. Totally. Yeah. So all of the, yes, all of the things that have happened to us make us view things a certain way. So when, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about rape, uh, racial reconciliation and divisions in people simply because of how their skin tone looks. And the problem with that is people are looking at each other and this is not, again, we're taught better than this, but there's still some some deep-seated things that are being passed on to us generationally, brother. It is what it is. 
Um, we have someone that is older than us that hasn't been as cultured as we are, and they pass something down to us, and it's, it's called passing trauma. Mm. They pass trauma down to the next generation. Something yeah. that happened to them, they're already telling you, well, you better watch out for such and such because such and such will do such and such. So they do that to us at an early age when our brain is still forming, and for the rest of our lives, we always have that that second instinct about somebody else because they're different. Totally. So we, as uh, in the age of information and people like you and I that are open to new thoughts and new processes, we have to hit that head on, bro. Especially when we see it. It's not about confronting somebody. It's about loving somebody. Mm, yeah. Well, because, I mean, if if I if I dare hop hop on it, it's it feels like you, if you confront, it's just like like dropping a a pile of bricks into an ocean yeah. from a helicopter you know yep. it's just the bricks are going to shatter you know like you're going to you're going to create a wall as opposed to having that that kind of that understanding or i mean you're talking about like having a serious amount of empathy preparing uh-huh. for someone to not just disagree with you but to then either potentially reject or insult you and then never to communicate with you again. And you would not have successfully changed anything about their position. Yep. And it, sometimes that sometimes that uncomfortable interaction may be something that, even though it may not necessarily be something that ties you and another person together, it might still have a ripple effect on them when they go home and they think about really what just happened. Yeah. Because empathy, empathy versus sympathy. I don't need somebody to feel sorry for me, but I would like them to understand that just because they haven't walked in my shoes doesn't mean that I haven't walked in my shoes. Mm. Yeah. Just because something didn't happen to them doesn't mean that it didn't happen to me. You know, things that have affected my life, even though um, they may have seen it, they really don't know the internal, the internal pain that I would have had to suffer. So I want to talk to them about it. And if they never, ever, ever, ever agree with me, at least I want them to know how I feel. And respectfully give them a chance, give, give, uh, give me a chance and them a chance to express how they feel. So let's share. Let's share. It, listen, man, it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, Dan. It's OK to not be OK. It's OK to not feel OK. And it's OK to not be comfortable. It takes an uncomfortable situation for you to challenge an ugly thought because yeah. the act, the, 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 the act itself doesn't change. But the emotions we tie to the act is something that causes us to believe a certain way. So when we. When we say, um, you know, I can go back to my childhood and, you know, there are certain types of people that will come around me. They make me feel uncomfortable because I, I in my mind, thought that they didn't like me because of my um, racial composition, because I was biracial. So the first thing I did is I'd get defensive. So because of my belief about that person that triggered an emotion in me, the emotion was either fear, anxiety, retreat, something. But what if the feeling wasn't real? What if my belief was wrong? What if I just box somebody into a position because just because of how they look or because of a past experience? Yeah, this is something that we kind of have to um, that we have to address, especially with people that we're going to interact with. I, I wouldn't suggest walking up to somebody you don't know and let's like, hey, let's have an empathy, <laughs> an empathy game. You know, <laughs> you know, you might end up in a uh, you might up in, end up end up in a world of hate. But any any one of your friend that any one of our friends that lets out potential. Um, uh, ugliness or or uh, un uh, uh, ugly thoughts. You know, we hear them, and sometimes we hear them say things that are very stereotypical. That's that's an opportunity for us. Listen, man. If everybody doesn't, the, the only way we're going to get in front of, of racial issues and stay in front of them 
is if every single individual person is willing to have a conversation with the person beside them. Yeah. There's no other way around it, man. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's, and it's tough too, because that is, when you talk about longevity, like that is something that you would have to start now and just do for the rest of your life, like a practice that you hand down to, like talk about handing down something to the uh -huh. next generation. It would almost be like demystifying the fear of <laughs> open communication or whatever. Dude, absolutely, man. So would you want to pass down a curse to your family members or a blessing? Yeah, of course. Blessing. Yeah. Blessings, man. So blessings come in the form of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Give them an understanding of something that's different than them instead of giving them a curse. So they'll always be afraid of something they don't understand. Mm -hmm. Our ancestors taught us what a rain cloud looked like. So then we learned what when rain was coming to get out of the way or at least put an umbrella up. What if they never told us that? <laughs> what if they never told us that? What if nobody ever shared that information? Totally. We would fear rain clouds instead of understanding that we can put a darn umbrella up, man. Yeah. And a bucket. Catch that. And a bucket. Drink it. Yeah. Bucket if it leaks. You know, yeah. it's some things that we fear are because somebody passed the fear down. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, like this, uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm so self-conscious and I feel so silly even trying to like attempting to empathize because my life experience is pale in comparison to like real actual suffering. But like my, my dad was a hundred percent Venezuelan. My mom was a hundred percent Italian. They were both moved to the States from their lands basically i mean i think my mom was first generation born here but my dad came from venezuela here and i remember years ago when i got my first car we flew up to detroit grabbed the car from my grandfather that had passed and we drove it down now mind you this is the same grandfather who didn't want my mom to marry my dad because he didn't approve of my mom marrying someone from the jungle uh and then you know, whatever. So there's that whole thing. Uh, we were driving down and I remember vividly that there were a few spots in the U.S. between Detroit and South Florida that my dad physically did not feel comfortable stopping in because previous experiences he had encountered before with certain types of people. And um, wow. Yeah. And it's like it's I mean, again, that's not it's not being murdered with a knee on my throat, you know, like I would never even dare a attempt to connect it to that. But it's like, I know that I've grown up with certain ideas of certain people in certain parts of the U S because of that. And I don't want to feed that by saying much more outside of that, but it's just like, I've definitely had to like regularly address that. And that is something to speak to what you're saying of some of handing down I don't think my dad meant anything bad by it, but I mean, he faced 100% racism because his skin was brown. <laughs> man, yeah, I get it. Dude, I, I totally get it, man. Uh, <laughs> I totally get it, bro. That So I can empathize with your father uh, growing up in, you know, in, in a rural, uh, rural community where the, you know, the, the population diversity is very small and, you know, having interactions with people. You know, one person may say something to me and it causes me to cringe at other people that, that have similar characteristics mm -hmm. or that are from similar areas. Yeah. I knew that some of it now, as I go back in retrospect, I know that it was unhealthy. And I've been very cautious to not pass it to my son mm. um, because he's so much like me that I feel like the things that affected me could affect him the same way because our personality types are so similar. 
and it, it, I, I don't want to give him a um, any kind of preconceived anything or cause him to judge people. Um, because I will say this, Dan, our, we live in the greatest country on earth. We have the most diverse country. We have our problems. We have our issues that we're that we're going through right now. But I think that all of the things that we're going through right now are actually going to make us stronger. And the reason it's going to make us stronger, because look at what you and I are doing right now on this podcast, man. Totally. Yeah. We're going to have musicians listen to it. We're going to have people that are I'm not from the music, the music world, but I'm going to speak to musicians and people that are in your culture yeah. in your in your work culture. And also, I'm going to share it with people in my culture and say, listen, man, I was on a podcast with some musicians. And, you know, that gives us an op- that right there, that bridge between two communities may give some people the opportunity to say, you know what? I got a buddy that's a musician. Maybe I ought to talk to him. It's that simple yeah. in bridging gaps in communication in communities, man. You know, I, I, you're, you, you know the, the story about your father uh, reminds me of some things with my dad. Uh, my dad, when he went to the military, he came back and he, you know, he'd had a very, um, he had a, a rough experience in the military. So when he came home, he had a very different outlook on, on his neighbors and who he, he was going to be around. So he left the, the rural area and moved to the city. And he always taught me things according to what his depth of knowledge was and his depth of knowledge geared around military work, 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 provide, provide, provide. There was nothing wrong with that, but anything outside of that would make him uncomfortable. Hmm. And it was stuff that he really didn't want to talk about. And he would always convince me to stay focused on the things that he was talking about. And what that did was, was put me into the frame in all my frames of references were according to what he taught me, not actually what I needed, the other stuff that I needed to know. Yeah. He he figured that out as he got older. He was like, man, I really wish that we had done these things. We had taught my dad passed away in 1997 and we had the best of buddies, man. And which leads me to another part of my life when my father died. Um, I had my life actually spiraled out of control, man. I started, um, I got introduced to drugs and ended up almost losing my life and I battled addiction for about three and a half, almost four years. Uh, and it's directly correlated to losing my father. Mm. And, um, I, I was thought I was strong. I thought I was tough, nice looking young man. I thought, I thought oh, I had all these wonderful attributes and lo and behold, I almost lost the battle. And I will tell you this, that was one of the most uh, eye-opening experiences. That was over over 20 years ago when I when I got myself together, and it was an eye-opening experience. And it's actually given me valuable insight on conversations like you and I are having right now, mm. because I hit rock bottom. And when I hit rock bottom, everybody looked different, and we all had the same issue, which made us bond. Mm. When everybody's broke, Dan, if you've ever grown up in a broke neighborhood, broke don't look one way. It's got a whole bunch of people of a whole different bunch of cultures and a bunch of different, yeah. you know, different, different backgrounds, different religions, you know, all kinds of stuff, man. When you're broken, you're sharing a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It just tastes good. You don't really care where it came from. Totally. So, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm like, man, by the way, I'm enjoying Dan and the Creators podcast. I want to kind of throw that, throw that out there a little bit. <laughs> Whatever, dude. <laughs> no, but, I, I really appreciate you sharing that. Um like just all of that is, is there any i mean and I, I really do want to like cash in on the opportunity to like really pick your brain and like ask for wisdom besides okay so the one of the big takeaways would be having honest conversations being open and transparent being willing to like when you see when you face some sort of um racial injustice or someone being maybe hateful towards another 
another culture or towards shit a black person or something right like instead of immediately meeting that with force unless it were i don't know if it were necessary but you're saying conversation immediately conversation conversation call it out Mm -hmm. call it out say hey you know that's not cool man you don't there's a way to communicate with people you don't have to confront somebody to communicate with them yeah you don't and you can disarm somebody with level-headed conversation so okay so perfect scenario i mean let's the the scenario we painted is relatively hostile one i mean you run into somebody who's maybe saying something that is just straight up like i don't know just horrific (laughs) and you say hey man like what are some maybe even pointers of how to enter into that without escalating you know a a situation like that oh absolutely man so if, if you so you know to all you that are listening is i'm not trying to tell anybody how to be a counselor not at all but I want you to live, use your own frames of reference, which means you may have to strengthen your frames of reference. Um, understand how to motiv- motivationally interview somebody or pull the right information out of somebody. Mm. So if you have someone is in a situation or they're saying something or doing something to somebody that you know is not right, ask them an honest question. And, you know, maybe that honest question might be like, hey, man, you know, we've known each other for a long time. You and I are friends. You and I, we know each other. You know, how do you really think that person feels that you're doing that? Mm. Instead, instead of, hey, man, you better quit right now. Boom. Or, yeah. dude, that's effed up. You're stupid. You know, stuff like that. What you do is when you when you confront somebody and you negative words cause a person to arm themselves, they're mm-hmm. ready to fight. If you call them out hardcore, Nick, words are so heavy, Dan. Yeah. So freaking heavy, man. Totally. So when, when you approach somebody and they feel like the words are going to put them into a, a combative session, they're going into conflict with you. It's wartime. So yeah. instead, disarm them with friendship. Mm. disarm them. Say, hey, man, you know, we've known each other for a long time, man. You know, we work together with coworkers or, you know, hey, man, it's a pretty day outside. Some, something to de-escalate before you interact and have a conversation. It's oh. very simple, man. Very, mm. very simple. You so know, regardless yeah. of the regardless of the scenario, uh-huh. de-escalation is always going to be like priority number one. Be Priority number one is de-escalate and disarm. Um, disarm. Yep. When you disarm a person, uh, when you disarm a person's anger, it, it gives you an opportunity to clearly communicate with them. Because if you if you make somebody angry, they're going to be on the defensive for everything you say. So they're going to do selective hearing, selective yeah. listening, and they're mm-hmm. going to have selective responses. Mm-hmm. And their selective responses are going to always going to be toward geared toward like put, letting you know I'm tough and you can't get past this wall. But if you disarm that person and pull all of that away and say, hey, man, I'm a human just like you. We know each other. That right there de-escalates the person. They're like, you know what? You're right. It doesn't work with everybody, but it will work with some people, man. We have this Mm -hmm. cadence about us as human beings that if we can connect with a person verbally, we can get on a rhythm with them and it can de-escalate both of us. Totally. You don't have, and you don't have to agree with somebody to disarm them. You don't have Mm -hmm. to agree with them. You just have to be simply willing to, to be empathetic to their feelings, not to their actions. Yeah. Yeah, because even going back to what you said earlier, odds are they're they're either either or a combination of hurt and um, misinformed per maybe generational ignorance, current ignorance, you know, like, I mean, whatever the reason may be, but then also fused with acting in like that heat of that moment, all of that paired up, you're trying to disarm. I love that. Yep. And, you know, man, Dan, so, you know, you and I, we're good friends. And there have been times that we, you know, we train together uh, for 
you know, and, and a lot of people don't, you know, I don't know if everybody knows on the cast that, you know, our, our martial arts background is we kind of travel some roads together to get to where we are right now. And one of, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. And we've literally been around friends in the gym that we, because you and I have very similar personalities. We've disarmed people all the time because of our personalities. It's in our, it's in our personality. Some people don't know how to do that because they've not, that's not been bred into them to be that laid back uncle mm-hmm. that easy, that easy going nephew. Mm-hmm. Some people, the only thing, the only way that they know how to talk to something that makes them feel uncomfortable is to attack it. Mm. And if you attack every dog you see, the, if you see a dog, and if a dog makes you uncomfortable, you just go up and kick it every time. What's going to happen to you? You're going to get bit in the throat. Yeah, in the throat, <laughs> you're going to get throat punched. So <laughs> in, instead, you know, just like an, you know, just like I'm not, I'm not comparing human beings to animals, but just course, saying course, that, of course, when you, you know, most most people know that when you get closed in with an animal, if you back an animal in a corner, it's going to come out fighting. So what you do is you, hey, come here, hi, you disarm it. Why can't we? Why can't we do that with fellow human beings? Well, we can. I think that Dan. I think that one of the biggest enemies we have in in connecting people is social media. Dude, totally, man. Yeah, like I've had some highly uncomfortable conversations where even at the end of it, we still disagreed about like literally yes, this I, very topic or whatever. Uh-huh. But the fact that was it was in person, and the fact that I refused to get angry about anything kept the conversation from ever getting really heightened. I never thought much of it, but that makes everything you're saying makes a ton of sense. Absolutely. So Dan, your personality is one of a disarmor because you refuse to engage in anger. If you don't engage with it, it has no power. Mm. You will not, you don't, you will not speak life in the anger and misery. You, you're like me, man, you walk away from it for what? Because yeah. what good is it going to do is, and, and you look at people who engage, like some people. So, and I mean this with all due respect to people, but you have to get a social setting outside of social media because you start living other people's feelings and emotions through their post yeah. words and pictures trigger stuff in people. So totally. I, t- I tell people all the time, I wake up in the morning about five, five thirty, And the first thing I do is I read, um, I, I read, I read a Bible. That's I have scripture and a, a, some stuff that I read. Some people get up and the first thing they do is go to Facebook or Instagram. And mm. the, this is what they do when they do that. They allow themselves to their first glimpse of the day, is a roller coaster ride into somebody else's feelings and emotions. Hmm. It's literally like getting in the car as soon as you wake up and driving into a traffic jam of feelings. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And then you sit there and think about it, and then you're like, well, damn it, I'm mad at 546. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. Right. You know, and course, you're just like, yeah. you're like, man, you know, what, what in the world? Why? And it's, you know, there's something, there's a theory called excitation anger transfer theory. Is where you can transfer something else can transfer anger to another thing, and then you have a spouse or kids. So at five forty-seven, you're already mad about something you read on social media, and your child wakes you up, and you snap at your child. And it's got nothing to do with your family. It's got uh-huh. something to do with what you read on social media thirty minutes before, because you didn't even give your brain time to wake up. Man, I, what was that called again? Excitation anger transfer theory. Excitation anger transfer theory. Basically, I, I swear I've experienced that so many times in my life. And maybe not because I woke up and looked at social media, but just like you get really worked up about something. And uh-huh. the first thing in front of you, you just shred face. Man, absolutely. You know, you go, you get in a traffic jam and go in the grocery store. So <laughs> you're, in, you're in a traffic yeah, jam. Yeah. Yep. Then you go in the grocery store and somebody cuts you off in line to go to the, you know, something simple. Somebody cuts you off with three items. You got six. Yeah. And it's only going to take another minute. But automatically, because your blood's already boiling, your anger transfers from what happened in the car to the person that just cut in front of you. 
Yeah. And, and hmm. no, you go ahead. I was going to say like that. I mean, that dude, honestly, like that, that seems like a really powerful concept because you know what? I mean, what, especially if you're in Nashville, dude, fucking tornado wiping us off the planet. Uh, like global pandemic, two months of isolation followed by a really crazy, like cat one wind type storm that did a ton of damage now followed by complete social, just fallout um, for a very good reason. I mean, there's you, people are carrying this burden and literally, yeah, going to the grocery store. It's like a really powerful observation of it's almost like we're whether you wake up and go on Facebook or not, you're already mm-hmm. in that. Yep, you're already in it. We're caught up. We're caught up in it, man. And being, you know, talking about feelings and emotions, man, beliefs around people, beliefs around situations. We can change our beliefs, which will change our emotions, which change how we communicate with people straight up. Mm. Um, and we have these all of these different beliefs. If our beliefs are not fed with facts they're fed with nonsense, then their emotions are going to be triggered by nonsense, which means yeah. our, our emotions are going to be so freaking unhealthy to us and to everybody around us. And that just bleeds through. You know, I, I've met your son. I've met your family. I've met, I've met your kids. You have a beautiful family. Your, your son is, you know, you're well adjusted. You love your family. But there are so many other people that are not well adjusted like that because they allow everything else to influence how they treat their loved ones. Mm. And, you know, I, I was reading, I was listening to um, Stephen Furtick and John Gray. Stephen Furtick is a pastor of a church in North Carolina. John Gray is in, I think he's Texas. They were talking about the lost art of communication because mm-hmm. so many people now would rather text than talk. Yeah, they, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. And it's caused them to not uh, have the ability to look a person eye to eye and have a functioning, rational conversation and totally. to exchange ideas. And not be offended by, you know, there's no context in a text message. Even if you put an emoji emoji behind it, you yeah, still really, seriously. you know, there's really no feelings behind the words. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's kind of that's kind of where we are in society today, man. We've got people that are fighting each other, man. And if they, you know, if somebody would, would, would you know, remember when we were young, Dan, we had debates. Yeah. A, a debate was a big thing. Yeah. And you have people that debate from, you know, people still debate, but it's not. I think debates should be something that are brought back on an open stage and forum that are popular, that are not political. They should be debates amongst people just from different walks of life and just to have conversations, man. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. Sure. You know, like you're from Little Haiti. I'm from, you know, I'm from Tennessee. Yeah. You know, you know, we got the best collard greens. Let's argue <laughs> about it. Yeah. Like even learning how to like truly listen. It's, it's, yep. it's definitely a dying art. Okay. So um, last question then. So if I'm, if I'm feeling this dissociated anger uh, thing. I forgot the name of it. I'm sorry. I should write it Excitation down. anger transfer theory. I'm typing it down right now. Sorry. <laughs> I'll send it to you. Man. No, I'm typing it down. <laughs> Excitation. Anger transfer theory. Oh, dude, I'm going to Google it. Just what type anger. Just go anger. Just go anger transfer theory. Oh, I, t- I typed it on. I'm so excited to like learn more about it. So, okay. I digress. So uh, if I'm currently experiencing that, and let's say I'm just fortunate enough to get a whiff of that is why I am maybe acting the way that I'm acting, and I find myself in a conversation with someone or I find myself in a scenario, uh, what are 
what is something that or some things that I could do to kind of pull myself back into like sanity? Um, well, one is you, the first thing is you have to recognize that it, it is what it is. So now that we've had this conversation, you, you have a tool, you have an informational tool. So the informational tool is, is I know what it is. Here's a tool. How, how can I deescalate myself? Knowledge is the first step. You have to acknowledge that it may be an issue. Then once you acknowledge it, then what, how do you deescalate yourself? Mm. I, I have a process of how I deescalate myself. And one, is this really affecting me? Is it affecting my loved ones? And is it affecting my finances? I can ask myself that in a split second because wow. I've trained myself to do it. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. It's, it's like an, e an easy walk away. You know, everybody, I talk about the, the, the analogy of the cool uncle. You know, everybody's got that cool uncle that can walk away from anything. <laughs> yeah. 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 He just can walk. It's like, why how in the world did he just walk away from that? Because he's figured out that meaningless anger or, or, or better, better yet, if you're not intentional with how you treat people, it can lead to a, um, a cataclysmic event. It can, it can cause something horrible to happen. But if you simply take the time to walk away, bro, that's it. Let me mm. think about this. Think about this, Dan. If I'm mad at somebody and I swing at them, the fight lasts forever, technically, because even if they break us up in the back of both of our minds, we know what just happened. Mm. But if the person, if I'm mad at somebody and I'm like, you know what, man, it's all good. I'll check you out tomorrow. I just de-escalated it and it's over. Mm. I, my feet, you see how your feelings went down in that situation just because I said, hey, bro, I'll see you tomorrow. It's just mm. that simple, that simple de-escalation technique is because I know that I am high strung as a person. This is me as a human being. I know that if I am, I know when, when a person pushes me too hard that I know that I can get angry, but I also know now that I have to question my anger immediately. I have to question it up off the rip. Is it a legitimate reason to be angry? Is it affecting my children? Is it affecting my health? And is it going to dig into my finances? If the answer to all three of those are no, bro, I'm going to see you tomorrow. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And some people probably will look at you like, you know, no matter in a, in a situation where you can feel that coming and you want a toolkit, I say just learn the art of de-escalation of yourself before you try to de-escalate somebody else. Powerful. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, we can you always, could just turn, you could just walk away. Like, yep, hey, walk. this is going to be bad. I'm just out. I'm out. Man, look at this. You can either walk off of the ledge or turn around and walk back to your car. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, seriously. Okay, okay so uh, before we um, wrap up, uh, is there any other, I mean, I, I feel like I could just literally pick your brain about this for forever, but um, I'm not going to. Uh, is there, is there any other advice that you would give to me, us listening that anything we could do to, to do this, to do this better, to progress, like not just something that we are just insanely hyper aware of and hyper involved in, but like the longevity of this, is there any other advice yes, that you could give us? Absolutely, man. Just a couple of things. One is learn person first language. Um, don't address a person in a stereotype or a vague analogy. Talk to mm. a person directly. Person first language, learn how to communicate with people and also try to learn and call yourself on your own internal biases because, mm. you know, you may because, you know, you have rural versus urban, you have city versus country, you have state versus state. At some point, somebody has got to be the one willing to take a half step back and just listen to the other person Wow! because there is going to be truth 
in something that they say. They may have some bad information that has driven them, but somewhere along the line, there's been a little bit of truth in why they're acting like or doing what they do. And the truth may be their truth, not yours. But who are we to really judge that? What we're trying mm. to do is change a situation. So how we change a situation is change is uncomfortable, man. Straight up cognitive dissonance. People get people get used to doing something so long. You try to change it. They get super freaking uncomfortable and they lash out at you. Yeah. So how we can how we do that, man, is just recognize our own internal biases. Speak to people as people, not as things. And also don't speak in absolutes to people. You better do this now. You need to have to need to must. Don't do that. You get mm. because you box a person in and you make them have to fight their way out. Yeah, you're putting them on that defensive like we were yep. talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah, you put them in a defensive, you box them in. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, man, Dan, we're grown men. If somebody boxes us in a situation and we don't know them, our first response is always to fight out of it. Yeah. That's, a, that's, human, that's human nature. It's human nature, yeah. It's not good, but it is what it is, yeah. Man, well, dude, thank you, like, times a million <laughs> for for just for having this conversation, for being willing to and – and uh, just putting yourself out there. I, I really appreciate your uh, sincerity and just um, your wisdom. Obviously, you're smart as all get out. So it's really cool to hear you share about even just like that, like informational things. I mean, I, I learned a ton. Um, before we go, can you tell our friends who are listening where they can find you, like your socials or whatever? Absolutely. So hey, everybody that's on here, I have a um, I have a professional Facebook page is Dr. Monty Burks at Dr. Monty Burks. I share a whole lot of cool information around mental health and substance abuse. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Dr. Mon Dr. Monty Burks. It'll uh, 3M. I have a small motivational minute podcast on anchor. Uh, it's called 3M uh, Monty's motivational minute. It's just quick motivationals. I, I try to give, you know, I try to put out a little information for, you know, when people wake up in the morning, have, have a nice little thought before you go to work. Um, you can also, if you have anyone, you know, I, I work um, as a director. I work with programs for people with addiction and mental health issues. You can always drop me a line if, if you know somebody in your family that needs help. Uh, I work with people. I work. I work for you. I work for people. So if anybody needs help, all you have to do is reach out to me on one of those social sites, and I'll connect you with any kind of resource I need. Remember that you can create your own space for mental health. Mm. Um, surround yourself with peace. Don't succumb to misery. Speak life over your life and your families. Uh, you can create your own mental health. You just have to talk yourself into doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And guys, uh, I've known Monty for a while and he's, he's way more of a real deal than I'm even aware of. So, so cash, cash in on that. If you, if you are having a hard time processing this, if you're in a weird place, if, um, if you feel like your mental health is, is compromised or you feel like you're not in a good place, man, please reach out to, to Monty. He is, he is a resource to you and to, to all of us, man. He's a great dude, great friend. And just obviously, if you can't tell by now, he's the real deal. He's an awesome guy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. Of course, man. Thank you. Well, anyways, um, yeah, let's wrap this bad boy up. Dude, we, uh, we should do this again, man. I feel like I learned so much. What's up? Man, dude, let's do it, man. Anytime you guys, um, you know, you and the, you know, I, I would love to be back on the podcast. Anytime you guys need me, I'm always, I'm available for you. I will make space for you. Uh, we can cover any kind of issues you guys want to cover. We can just talk. I would love, love, love to be a regular on Dan and the Creators. <laughs> Sick. Maybe we can tell people. Maybe one day we can tell people what it's like to strangle each other and still be friends somehow. <laughs> right? People don't know that we we technically simulate murder three to four times a week. 
murder. I heard someone called you Jitsu that the other day, and I was like, you know, that's actually accurate. Yeah, that's actually accurate. We 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 kill each other almost to the death, and then we high five and bump and say, "Man, that was cool." It's so weird. It's so weird. But I yes, love it, it is, man. I love it too, man. <laughs> well, anyways, I love you, dog. I'll catch you later, man. All right, I love you too, brother. Thank you, man. Great to talk to you. I'll see you back in the gym soon. To everybody on the podcast, thank you for listening in. Dan and the Creators freaking rocks. Peace out. <laughs>